Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the Fairways of Life show, on air, online and around the world. With the most candid interviews, unforgettable stories, taking you beyond the ropes. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and Golf Channel's Matt Adams. What is going on, folks? Welcome to a Thursday. Play is underway in the world of golf around this big globe because that's exactly where it's taking place, both in the European Tour in Saudi Arabia and on the PGA Tour starting in a little while out in Scottsdale. Uh, weather is always a big question this time of year. A couple days ago on this show, we were going through massive snowfall totals. That storm was huge. It ripped right across the northern tier of the United States. And even this morning, some of that wintry-like weather you're talking about by Florida standards dipped down here. I was able, Dom, I went out the, the back door this morning and I took a little video of what it looked like because we dipped down to freezing in the overnight hours and that caused a frost. So I'm sure they have a frost late. The course I didn't call because obviously I'm working. It didn't matter uh, to me if they were a frost. They have another cup, cup of coffee and, and just waited out, golfers. But it was uh, pretty amazing to take a look at what was going on with the, with the frost. Go ahead and uh, play that one, Dom. There it is. You can see it. That, all that light stuff that you're looking at on the television side is actual frost. It's basically ice on top of the grass and then a beautiful sunrise as it was getting ready to come up over the horizon. Cold day here. Uh, what are we looking at, Dom, in terms of what the weather's going to be like, like out in Scottsdale? Any changes from yesterday? Because yesterday you, were, you said there was some rain in the forecast. Yeah, there was some rain. There was a little bit of rain yesterday. Uh, but before I I'll – put, I'll put some weather up on the screen for folks. But before I do that, I just want to say such stellar camera work Thank by you, you Matt. <laughs> It was a gym. You really know what you're doing there. <laughs> yeah. It was a phone. What are, you, what are you talking about? What was I supposed to do? I don't know. Here, I'll play it again for folks if you're watching. Yeah. Let me see. I mean, it's, uh, it's a little shaky. It's kind of bouncing up and down. The, even the... Uh, One take. I'm assuming, <laughs> just, like, just like up. It's like that Seinfeld episode. Up, up, and back, and to the left. <laughs> <laughs> up and back and to the left. Well, I'll tell Terrible. you, the, the, the honest truth of it was, I was it, when that was going on, I was making coffee, and I walked out there, and it's, it was cold, and I wasn't, I wasn't dressed for it. It was about 33, I think, at the time that I was out there this morning, and I gave it one shot, and that was all it was going to get. Here it is. Swoop from right to left. It certainly was one shot, that's for sure. Yeah, um, there you go. Anyway, made me laugh. So... Uh, Here's the weather for you. I'm going to put it up on the screen. You're, you're not going to see my face anymore. You're going to see Matt's. But the weather is looking good this week uh, for the Waste Management Phoenix Open, which is wonderful, obviously, news for, for golf fans who are going to be watching the event here. So you can see on the screen there, it's basically mid-70s every day. Oh, okay. There's no rain in the forecast. There's basically no wind in the forecast. And uh, we're going to be hearing from some players today. And, and there, there is some good news in, in terms of fans. There will be some fans out there. Now, it's not going to be what we're all used to, especially in Phoenix, especially yes, at 16. But, yes, but they're letting folks in. So there will be fans there, and that's great. Yeah. What, Some fans what, better than no fans, for sure. Yeah, tiny little steps, but, but steps nonetheless towards uh, hopefully uh, more normalcy as, as the vaccines continue to roll out across the country, and hopefully everyone is staying safe. Now, to the players that Dom was talking about, you're going to hear from today, 
that are at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. You're going to hear from John Rahm this morning, and you're going to hear from Rory McIlroy this morning. And Rory McIlroy had some very interesting comments to make about the USGA and the RNA and their efforts to limit distance, et cetera, and we'll react to that. So that will be coming up in, in just a moment. He also had some interesting comments about Dustin Johnson uh, to a kind of a question that was asked and an answer that he gave about Dustin Johnson's, how do I phrase it, uh, intellect. And, and so he gave a response accordingly to that too. So anyway, that, that we'll, we'll hear from both of them today. But first, I wanted to start with the Saudi International because play there is well into the opening round. There still are players in the golf course, but the leaders atop the leaderboard uh, are all pretty much done so far as we can see. And, I, and I'll give you an update on it. David Horsey leads the way nine under par after his opening round. Stephen Gallagher uh, trails him, the, the, a veteran here, and that's a very good opening round for Stephen because he hasn't figured on a leaderboard in a while. Eight under par, one shot back. Uh, third place, Bernd Wiesberger, Meisterberger, alone at six under par. Fourth place belongs to multiple players at five under. Ryan Fox, uh, Callum Hill, Thomas Peters, Hao Tung Lee, Marcus Kinholtz, uh, Bryson DeChambeau, all on five under par. Uh, tenth place belongs to a whole group of players at four under par. It includes uh, Andy Sullivan, George Cozia, uh, Fabrizio Zanotti. Uh, let's see, Ian Poulter is in that category as well. And then I'm just going to jump around here to give you a few notables. At 18th place, three under par, Dustin Johnson, Lee Westwood, Terrell Hatton are all on that mark. Uh, also, Martin Keimer, Thomas Dietrich at three under par. I mentioned Dietrich because you've been playing a lot of really good golf as yet. 33rd place at the Saudi International. Scores of two under par include Phil Mickelson and Tommy Fleetwood, both done with their round. Tony Finau, Justin Rose are both two under par for the opening round. So too is Danny Willett and Victor Hovland. I mentioned those names because a little bit later on in the program, you'll be hearing from a couple of those players. 54th position are scores of one under par. Let's see. Kevin Na is on that mark. He's done for the day. Paul Casey is one under. He's on his 13th. I just threw his 13th all. Andrew Beef Johnson is one under after 13 as well. David Lipsky the same, so too for Scott Hend. Victor Dubosson is one under. He's played 12. Uh, Shane Lowry uh, finished at level par today, tied for 74th currently. Christopher Broberg is also level par after his opening day. Brandon Stone, the same. All of these players that I mentioned to you right now, that, that grouping that are at level par, uh, have all finished for the day. Uh, Patrick Reed is even par. He's played 15 holes as yet in his opening round. Defending champion Graham McDowell is uh, even after 13. Uh, Bob McIntyre is even after 13 as well. Again, that's a position of 70, it just changed to 75th. That means uh, some scoring movement is going on on this leaderboard. Uh, One over par is 95th place. I see David Howell in that position. Rafael Cabrera-Bello is one over after 16. Ernie Els is one over after 12, Henrik Stenson is tied for 117th. I know, plus two at this point. Chris Wood is plus three. He's 123rd currently on the leaderboard. 
Uh, Stenson has just posted a bogey to go to plus three. He's now 123rd. He is 15 holes into his round. Jamie Donaldson. He's three over par after 12, tied for that 123rd position. And again, just to give you some bearing as to what those scores mean, the top of the leaderboard is a nine under par being led by David Horsey. So as I mentioned to you, Rory McIlroy addressed the media yesterday. I suspect that if you are watching or listening to us around the world on this Thursday, that you've probably heard some of this news already. These clips about Rory McIlroy and his reaction to the distance research being undertaken by the PG or the USGA and the RNA. Uh, so he at this PGA Tour event had a chance to comment on it, as a lot of players had a chance to comment on it, but none of them were as strong in their position as Rory McIlroy. He also spoke about some other interesting things, as I mentioned, including Dustin Johnson. So here is Rory from his addressing the media yesterday at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Yeah, it's um, good to be in Phoenix, finally. Um, As you said, it's you know, first time here, and there's always been some, you know, whether it's I've been playing in the in the desert in the Middle East and haven't been able to make it over here. Um, our schedule just hasn't quite fit, but you know, I was over here anyway. Played Tory Pines, and um, you know, I've I've always been told that that this this course at Scottsdale would be a good fit for my game. So thought I thought I'd try it out this year. So um, yeah, excited to be here and. Um, from what I've seen of the golf course, I, you know, I, I like it. I like the fit of it, and um, you know, looking forward to, to getting out there and um, yeah, playing it this week. It's it's going to be good fun. Yeah, it's um, you know, Tory on Sunday was funny because I got myself into a decent position. Um, you know, and if I had played the last six holes and even par, I would have finished second. But I played them in three over and finished sixteenth. So. Uh, I don't think the 16th really told the whole story of the week. I felt like I played okay. Um, just a bit of a bad finish on Sunday. But, um, yeah, game feels pretty good. Had a had a decent start to the year over in Abu Dhabi. Saw some good signs last week. Um, you know, it was tough. Like, you know, the greens got real bumpy over the weekend at, at Torrey, um, you know, with that rain on Friday. So I, it was hard. I, I actually felt like I put it terribly on Sunday, and I ended up gaining 0.7 of a shot on the field. So it sort of just showed how you know everyone else was sort of struggling with those greens on the weekend too. So, um, but yeah, you know, I feel good about my game, and um, you know, excited to get here this week. You know, the, the golf course is in you know in mint condition. Greens are perfect. So um, you know, it'll be nice to uh, nice to play on a golf course and put on greens that are that are so good. You'd like to see fans back, but with only 4,500, is there a point where there's either too few out there? Does that affect how you play, sidelines and whatnot? Not at all. Like, I think one is better than none. Um, so even like Abu Dhabi a couple of weeks ago, there was maybe 200, 100 to 200 people out following um, on the course, and that made a huge difference. It's just, it's just a little bit of buzz. It's a little bit of, you know, clapping after shots. It's, it's. It's. It doesn't have to be much. I, I definitely don't think there's too few to, to make a difference. So, um, you know, zero isn't isn't great. But you know, if you know, if we can get, as you said, 4,500 in this week, and um, you know, that that'll make a huge difference. See, part of the scrutiny on on this Patrick Reed situation in the last week came from 
social media and, and you know posts from his account, from other accounts. I was just wondering, you're someone that used to dive into the fray of social media a bit more than you do now. And uh, I was just wondering, like, do you ever miss any of being on Twitter or do you just see it as like more trouble than it's worth? Um, it's, it's way more trouble than it's worth. Um, I just, it's just not, it's stress and hassle in my life that I just feel like I don't have to deal with. Um, yeah, I, you know, I obviously got dragged into it last week a little bit um, because of what happened with me on 18 on Saturday, which now it's funny. So what's came to light is, so on 18, we were, as we were searching for my ball, what wasn't apparent at the time that was an email was sent to the tour on Monday is my ball was stepped on to be found but the volunteer didn't tell me that on Saturday. So I, you know, that's why I took embedded ball relief because it was an embedded ball, but I didn't know it had been stepped on at the time. So obviously the video came out on Sunday with my ball bouncing and then going in. And at that point, I'm like, well, it must've went into its own pitch mark or something because the ball was obviously plugged. But then it came to light on Monday that a volunteer had stepped on it and hadn't told me. And that's why the ball was embedded. So. Uh, I sort of, it's funny, I went to bed Sunday night sort of questioning whether I'd done the right thing after seeing the video. And then it's so weird, I, you know, the tour got an email on, on Monday from a, from a volunteer saying that he didn't tell me at the time and he should have, but he stepped on the ball to find it. And that's, that's why I, I, and I, and it, I guess at the end of the day, I, I almost took wrong relief because I should have taken, taken relief for a, a stepped-on ball, which means you could place it instead of drop it. But at the time, I didn't have that information. But I at least felt better about my actions, knowing that I, that I did the right thing, that I actually did take relief for a ball that was embedded or stepped-on. So um, it's sort of nice that that came to light because I was sort of questioning myself on Sunday a little bit. But... Um, it's funny how these things sort of all, all work out at the end. It, it's funny. Do you start questioning like whether what you had thought you had seen yeah. was what you actually saw? Yeah, pretty much. I sort of, I, did I do the right thing? Did I play by the rules? Did I see something that wasn't there? Yeah, I just sort of, it was a, it was a bit of a rough Sunday night. I didn't, I just started to doubt myself a little bit, which is not like me. Um, but I was convinced that it was an embedded ball. And then it's funny, the tour got an email on Monday that it had been stepped on. And the volunteer just, he felt, I think the volunteer said something like, I'm so sorry that Roy's been dragged into this whole scenario, but I didn't tell him on Saturday that I actually stood on his ball to find it. So yeah, there you go. Just wondering how you felt about being dragged into the situation by Patrick Reed and if you've had any conversations with him already. I'm not sure it was Patrick. I mean, someone from the Reed family, but I don't think it was Patrick. <laughs> okay. Um, and then, also, I saw you out there talking with Commissioner Monaghan, uh, walking the fairway a little bit, and you're, you're, you're up as one of the uh, people running to be the head of the pack. I'm just curious why that's something that interests you. Uh, you know, I think it's, it's important to me. I feel like I've been on tour long enough now that I sort of know the ins and the outs of, of the goings-on of day-to-day -to -day tour life and the, and the business of the tour. Um, and I think I, 
you know, I think I have some pretty good ideas and I think with this new strategic partnership, strategic alliance with the European Tour being, you know, you know knowing those guys um, as I do, you know, being close with, um, you know, the, the, the leadership of the, of the PGA Tour over here, I just, I think... I think I could help in some ways. I think I could facilitate some things, and um, you know, if, if I am elected, I'd be I'd be very honoured to, to do the job, and um, you know, it's something that I that I feel quite passionate passionately about. So, um, yeah, hopefully people see that and they they vote for me, and it would be you know, as I said, it would be an honour to represent the players on the um, on the advisory board. I just I think sometimes in the media and in the in the sort of public. DJ gets a, a bit of a bad rap for just being, you know, not, I don't know what the word is, but he just, you know, like he, his golfing IQ is through the roof and when he, when he wants to engage with you and he wants to have a proper conversation about whatever topic it is, he can have it. He just, you know, he, he just would rather not have it with you guys. And that's, that's basically what it is. You know he he you know he he saves that for his his inner circle and the people that you know he trusts and the people that he likes and um, just because he doesn't give you you guys the greatest interviews doesn't mean that he isn't there you know what I mean and and I think you know some people's personalities are to be standoffish and and just you know give a, a little bit of themselves to to the media and I think that's what he does but you know whenever you you, you're friends with him and, and you you spend a lot of time with him, he's much more engaging than, than a lot of people think. And can you just say, why is his IQ off the charts in golf? He, he, he manages his game. So well, you think about it, he came out on tour and he, he, hit a, he hit a big draw. He hit a rope hook for the first couple of years he was on tour. And not, he's completely changed his game as he's been out here. He hits cuts all the time. I mean, he can still turn it over sometimes if he wants to, but like he's completely changed his game to have more control. And you look at what's happened since. I mean, since he started hitting that little cut shot, you know, he's won two majors. He's been number one in the world. He's won a FedEx Cup. He's like, you know, he's he's basically done everything there is to do in the game. And he's done he's done that by by basically changing his game after turning pro. And that's it. I mean, that's a huge compliment. Not a lot of people could do that. We appreciate your Can't believe no one asked me an equipment question. Uh, well, we can, we, can, we can open back up the mics again. If you sure, I'm, I'd be here all day for that. Rory, what did you think? What, what was your... Thank you, Adam. Take on, Thank what you. What was your take on the equipment? So, I think... So I think the authorities, or the RNA and the USJ, are looking at the game of golf through such a tiny little lens that, you know, what they're trying to do is, is change something that pertains to 0.1% of the golfing community. 99.9% .9 of people that play this game play it for enjoyment. They play it for entertainment. They don't, they don't need to be told what ball to use or clubs to use I mean we have to make the game as easy and as approachable as possible for the majority of golfers so I honestly I think this distance insights report is honestly it's been a huge waste of time and a huge waste of money because that money that 
its cost to do this report could have been way better distributed to getting people into the game, introducing younger kids to the game, introducing minorities to the game. That's, I heard Mike Davis say something about, you know, we're trying to protect the game for the next hundred years. This isn't how you do it. This is not by doing that. This is so, it's so small and so inconsequential compared to the other things that are happening in the game. It's, it's, it's the grassroots. It's getting more people engaged in golf. That's the, that's where they should be spending their money, not spending it on the distance insights report. Thank you for asking the question. <laughs> What's that? Should there be a situation, Rory, where you guys, where the professionals play by different or local rules? So, I, yeah, so I would be all for that. If they want to try to make the game more difficult for us or more um, try to incorporate more skill to the game, yeah, I, I would be all for that because I think it only benefits the better player, which I feel like I am. So, but what, it's just not a... And I think maybe they said that in terms of like local rules and maybe some sort of bifurcation, but we are such a tiny portion of golf. Like, golf is way bigger than the professional game. Golf is, like, like we're such a tiny part of it. It's, it's the other stuff that really matters, and that's the stuff they need to concentrate on. Thank you. That was worthwhile. Okay. All right. Well, Roy, we will let you go. We do appreciate your time and chime in on that as well. Thank you. I'm glad someone asked me. Rory McIlroy addressing the media yesterday, and as... Dom informed before we watched that together that he put together what he thought was some fascinating cuts from Rory McIlroy, and they were fascinating. Uh, I thought the, the question and answer about him being dragged into, as they phrased it, with, with Patrick Reed, uh, what they were talking about there was an exchange on Twitter and on Patrick Reed's Twitter account saying, in all caps, you know, Rory McIlroy did the same thing and he didn't even call in an official. And they were asking about that and what he was saying was he didn't think it was Patrick who wrote that at all. Maybe someone in, in the, the Reed family, as he phrased it, but he didn't think it was Patrick. And then there's a lot of stuff coming out right now that you guys have probably seen, various uh, golf journalists that are doing deep dives into alleged, uh, I, I would even dare say use the, the word probable burner accounts from the same team uh, that you know, speak to this anonymous voice in support of, of all things around uh, Patrick Reed. I, I, I understand the emotion to defend. I'm just not sure if defending as some kind of an anonymous voice gives it more credibility than just being honest about where the, the voice is coming from. Just not sure about that. Um, it, I mean, clearly, everything about the, the way that, that uh, Patrick Reed has put together his, his, his inner circle, to use Rory's phrase when he was talking about DJ there, the way that he's put together his inner circle is this kind of, you know, it's become an us against the world, world for better or for worse. I don't, I don't mean that in terms of just pure defensive posture. Obviously, they take offensive shots as well. Um, and I just think it's an interesting way to conduct yourself, that, that 
you put yourself in a position to go, hey, we're dealt with unfairly. And because we're going to be dealt with unfairly regardless, we need to put ourselves in a position where we can put forth the message that we want to put forth as to how we see things. And remember that in the context of just a couple days ago when David Ledbetter was with us, and he, he obviously knows Patrick Reed very well, and he was saying, yeah, he's a misunderstood guy. So I guess the question that I, that I have here is how you deliver your message to the public. Uh, doesn't that have an impact in terms of how you are perceived? Uh, and, and again, I, I'm trying to be respectful to the fact that I also understand that when you feel like you're constantly being unfairly attacked, that you are going to lash out in some way, shape, or form. And I think that's part of, of this whole dynamic. Uh, ultimately, it comes down to the question of if you are Patrick or you are, as you say, his inner circle, do you care? Does it make a difference how you are perceived? Uh, he, he still seemingly has sponsors. Uh, he's, he's had his own personal gaffes in front of microphones, etc., seemingly not suffering the same uh, severity of fate as say, Justin Thomas did when, when he had his. Uh, but it's just, it's just an interesting dynamic in the way that we conduct and accept. And I think it's more a reflection of just kind of human nature. When Rory did what he did, we all kind of went, eh, you know, we trust that Rory did the right thing. And now in retrospect with the information that we have, that the tour found out that he then found out that a volunteer inadvertently, accidentally stepped on his golf ball when looking for it. It makes sense that that's why the golf ball was plugged. And I know some people are confused by it, but I also understand why that volunteer didn't say anything at the time. It's really hard and really scary when you're out there, and especially when you have an absolute superstar of the game, to admit, I, I, I actually respect the fact, at least, I wish they'd done it at the time, yes, but I do respect the fact that in retrospect, at least they were honest and they owned up to it so that that facet of the story can be sorted correctly uh, because it, it is a story and it, and it ties into the history and it was definitely tied into that moment and everything that went around it. So fascinating stuff there. The DJ stuff, yeah, uh, very interesting because in the times that I've spoken to Dustin Johnson I have found that he is fully engaged with you at the time. Uh, and, and I say that in the same context of, say, a Tiger Woods. Fully engaged with you at the time doesn't mean that he's not careful about what he says or measuring what he says. I don't mean it to like a Phil Mickelson extent where Phil generally comes in with some agenda of what message he wants to sell. Uh, Tiger's, I, if, I had, if I had to phrase it, Tiger, it's very interesting. I, and I'll give you a little inside insight to this. When, when you interview a player like that, and I'm not talking about our long-form interviews when we, when we get to know players as people and we talk about their family background and nicknames and pets at home and all that kind of cool stuff that lets us know what they're like away from the golf course. But I'm talking about when you're at a tournament. So whether you know, I, I, I'm doing part of the live coverage for television or whether you're doing live coverage for radio, when you have a player that has just done something either because, because of who they are or because what they did on that particular day, and you're ready to interview them, it's never instantaneous. It can't be. You've got a live sporting event going on. So what you do is you call into your producer and you say, hey, I'm standing here with, with fill in the blank, uh, Dustin Johnson. I'm standing here with Rory McIlroy. I'm standing here with Tiger Woods. I'm standing here with Phil Mickelson. And 
the, the three of those four names that I mentioned to you, when, you're, when you talk about DJ, when you talk about Rory, when you talk about Tiger, you're going to have time where it's just you two. Nobody else talks to you, and there's usually people there, producers, field producers, media handlers, et cetera, that kind of keep anyone from shooting questions at them, et cetera, because you're ready to go on the air. Well, everybody else that's standing around in that century role doesn't know when you're going to go on the air because they don't have the same IFB communication that I'm wearing here or that we have on in that setting. So you're in, usually it's a headset with an antenna sticking out of it, to be fair, when you're doing the live coverage. But you've got a producer that's, that's giving you a countdown in your head in broad strokes of when they're going to come to you. And what you do is you listen for whoever it is that's going to throw to you to say, let's send it over to Maddie that's with Tiger Woods or the host, whoever. And so during that time period, the only two that can talk to each other are the two that are about to go on the air. And from that standpoint, I can tell you, Tiger's engaging. He's, he's just like a regular human being in that setting. Uh, in my case, particularly, let's say if it's a major championship, I, I generally when I'm working, I'm talking about the radio covers now, the world radio coverage of those events, uh, a Ryder Cup, whatever, I'll have a tie on. Um, and I generally always have a cap on because of my skin cancer. And a lot of times I'll wear, you know, this like, uh, it's called a scally cap, but an Irish style cap. Uh, many people call it a Ben Hogan cap, although his caps are actually different than that particular one. But it's, but, but you get the, the gist. And Tiger would, you know, would say to me things like, hey, Maddie, I like your cap or whatever, you know, kind of banter like that. Um, Rory's interesting too, because, because, you know, I've known Rory for a long time, and I know his dad, and you know, you'll, you'll, yeah, hey, how your parents doing? What's going on? Blah blah blah. That kind of small talk. Uh, DJ, I don't know well at all, but there's usually some kind of conversation, whatever it is, you know, about the weather or what have you. You know, just pleasantries. Uh, Phil's different. De- definitely, there's a wall with Phil uh, when you're when you're ready to go on with him. There's, to my recollection, I really don't remember talk at all. And again, I'm not going to judge him on that because he doesn't know me any better than I know him on a personal basis, but there's, there's no engagement uh, there. Uh, so I thought it was just interesting the way that Rory was explaining all that in that DJ, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that he's not a deep thinker. It means that he's saying what he wants to say in that setting and that, according to what Rory said, apparently, he really doesn't want to engage in any deeper conversation than that once that red light goes on. In that example I was just giving you, say, with Tiger Woods, I will tell you that once the red light goes on, the personalities change. Tiger becomes much more guarded once you have a microphone and you're live. Uh, Rory doesn't. He's the same either way. Uh, DJ, according to Rory, does. It's hard for me to tell one way or another. Uh, Phil becomes a totally different person. Once, once that the red light goes on and the microphone's in front of him, he goes off. And as I mentioned, he usually goes off in some predefined, in my sense, uh, agenda that he, he wants to define the story as at that point. I've actually been in a scrum with Phil when he's talking about something. This gives you his level of, it, uh, of it, intelligence and attention. And standing in front of him, in fact, it was Steve DeMeglio uh, that was in front of him. Steve was the voice that you heard asking Rory about this subject to begin with. And so Phil's facing a camera, 
like I'm talking to you right now, Demeglio is the camera in this instance. So he's facing Phil with a pad of paper and pen in front of him, and he's writing down quotes from Phil Mickelson. And Phil Mickelson is looking down at the pad, reading it upside down, and he corrected one of the quotes. That's what I'm talking about. It's amazing. That happened at Charlotte probably 10 or 15 years ago. Just incredible stuff. Now, when it comes to the, the distance insight report, uh, I'm, I'm hearing, I, I, I've already heard from various media outlets that are trying to mute the impact of, of what Rory was saying. But Rory, honestly, from my standpoint, Rory was saying exactly what I said to you guys yesterday. That if something needs to be done, and I would concur and agree that it, it, because we're talking about a span of 50 or 100 years, in terms of where the professional game is going. And if you look at where the professional game is right now, now casted forward that massive amount of time relative, something needs to be done. And pretty much from what we've heard from all of the top professionals, including Rory, not all of them. I mean, Webb Simpson said, do a better job setting up the golf courses, building them, et cetera. Okay. Pretty much though, you're you're hearing from a lot of the professionals that are saying, I get it. You're going to tighten it up for us. You're going to make it a little bit harder for us. You're going to tighten up the standards, et cetera. You know, draw a line in the sand, my words, not theirs. But that makes sense, right? But what Rory was saying was, why are you doing it to everybody else? So what I'm noticing is, is the default is people are saying, well, it's not really going to affect the amateur golfer. Well, it might affect them a little bit. That's the phrase that I'm hearing more than anything else, a little bit. And that little bit is undefined. I guess... The part that worries me, bothers me right now is that we were subject to a massive relief, release of information and what I thought was an influence campaign. It was an education campaign, no doubt, but it was an influence campaign as well. We were trying to be sold on a concept for, for the purpose of building a consensus that yes, it's time and yes, It should be across the board. We were told, uh, and I'm not trying to take Mike Davis to task here, but we were told that distances have increased over time across the board. Again, with the intent of saying, hey, this is going to affect everybody. Well, the average driving distance, so we were told, is 215 yards. That's been the average driving distance for two decades for the average golfer. So, I'm not sure. Again, there's, there's, there's contradictions here where you go, okay, so just tell us what you're trying to do and why that this has to impact everybody when at this time there is not a distance problem in the, as Rory defined it, I think accurately, 99.99% of the game. Why do we have to have something that impacts everyone, even if it's just a little bit, as, as we're being told, but it's undefined what just a little bit is. So everyone, everyone seems to be saying, uh, you know, Rory, blah, 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 you guys are overreacting because the average amateur golfer is only going to be impacted a little bit. Well, what, well, how do you expect people not to be concerned if that part is undefined? So my sense is that what they mean by that is as you guys probably already know, when, when we go through equipment technology on this show, 
or we go or I do it do it on Golf Channel. Technology is a combination of things. Technology will help everyone that plays the game, but the more club head speed that you have, the more ball speed thus that you have, the more that technology will impact what you do. So my sense is what's really happening here that has yet to be revealed to us, that what's really happening here is that they're going to slow down the technology such that the higher your club head speed, say if you swing, your swing speed's in excess of 105, 108, 110 miles an hour. Now on tour, the average is 113. And when you get to those speeds, that's where the governor on the technology is going to kick in. In other words, for the vast majority that play the game, you don't swing the club hard enough or fast enough or generate enough ball speed that the reductions in particular and specific technologies will impact your performance adversely. It will impact you, though, just a little bit. We just don't know how much. And the second part of this whole thing that that is a concern to me is that the, the, the phrase that's used to define golf stakeholders, who are they? To me, the chief golf stakeholders are the 99.99% of people that bankroll the entire golf industry. The people who buy the equipment are the ones that keep the equipment companies going. The people that the advertisers are trying to reach are the people that keep PGA Tour events going. Without them, none of this exists. So having said that, I'm just wondering who is their voice. I get that they're consulting with tours and they're consulting with equipment companies and and they're trying to do the best they can to build a consensus. And then the last point of this that you can tell, this has been weighing on me too. The last point of this that I've been thinking about is, and I see it even even on a personal basis, if if I get attacked in in, a social media circle or what have, have you, it's with me because my background started in equipment manufacturing. It's always, oh, he's a shill for the equipment companies. Okay. My job is to describe equipment technology. I have never once told you what clubs to play. What I hope will happen is that when you're ready to buy golf clubs, you'll have the information that you need to figure out what direction that you want to go down. And, I'm ta- and I would absolutely recommend to everybody always Take a bunch of clubs into your bay and test them all out. Find out which one is best for you and they get custom fit, which whatever you decide to. But nonetheless, in this case, how could someone, anyone, me or otherwise, how could it be perceived that you're shilling for an equipment company when you raise an eyebrow to the talk of universal reductions across the board? Because if that happens... Wouldn't every single person that plays the game that wants to play conforming equipment, which I assume they do, wouldn't they all have to buy new equipment? Might not these changes be the greatest boom to golf equipment manufacturing companies ever? So my concern when it's all said and done is I just am not sure who is speaking for 
you guys? Who is representing your interests? Because to me, you guys are the only stakeholder that ultimately matters. More of the Fairways Life Show after this. Golf plans changed? We're here for you. Drive in, fly in. French Lick Resort is the perfect spot for your next golf getaway. Our Donald Ross and Pete Dye courses have hosted majors since 1924. Our historic hotels are top flight as well. And know that keeping you safe in this era of COVID is also important to us. Go to FrenchLick.com. Play legendary golf this year. Must be 21 to enter casino. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. TheGolfTravelGroup.com is a luxury golf tour operator that specializes in custom travel itineraries to Scotland, Ireland, England, Wales, Iceland, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, and more. Guaranteed advanced tee times, incredible accommodations, airport meet and greet services, private guided tours, and private drivers, all in luxury vehicles. And they have a staff that's been doing it forever. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. The best golf experiences are the unique ones that combine breathtaking beauty, inspiring designs, and refined luxuries. Streamsong Resort, conveniently located in Central Florida, is unlike any golf experience you've ever had. Award-winning courses by Corin Crenshaw, Tom Doak, and Gil Hans will challenge and amaze in a dunescape you'll swear cannot exist in Florida. Awaken your senses then at their opulent spa or enjoy world-class bass fishing, archery, or clay shooting. The options are endless and you can cap it all off with luscious and distinctive culinary choices to delight any palate. Visit StreamSongResort.com today to plan your golf trip that's everything that you would want and nothing like you've ever experienced. I'm Tiger Woods, and I chose Bridgestone. I wanted to be with a company that I knew, and then on top of that, that made superior products, so I did. I came back and I started playing with the Bridgestone Tour BXS, and it's allowed me to maintain the spin and the feel I like around the greens, especially my short irons, but also have that penetrating flight through the wind. The aerodynamics have been phenomenal. I know the quality that Bridgestone has, R&D that's available to them, and what they were able to create that helped me win golf tournaments. Even though we're in Texas, we don't believe that bigger is always better. At Ben Hogan Golf, we believe in something called micromanufacturing, a concept Mr. Hogan taught us long ago. It's a belief that handcrafting golf clubs one at a time to your exacting specifications is the reason we make some of the best quality and best performing equipment in the world. And we don't believe in big prices. That's why we only sell directly to you at BenHoganGolf.com. Let me ask you a question. Are you in pain on the golf course? You know, pain management is a crisis in America. It affects over 100 million people and 35% of golfers, but now we can do something about it. BioFit 360 is a new company here to help us manage and alleviate that pain naturally. They've developed a formula that safely extracts CBD from the hemp plant and utilizes all of its healing properties to help us. They have a relief cream, they have gummies, they have sleep aids, and much more. It will change the way you feel on the golf course and in life. All you need to do is head to BioFit360.com. Feel better, do better, be better. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life Show. This Thursday, Dom tells me that messages are pouring in through all of our various social media channels, Fairways of Life on Facebook, uh, Fairways of Life on YouTube. Uh, please follow those two platforms if you get an opportunity to subscribe to us. The virtue for us is we know that you're out there, but, but 
also for you, you'll know when we go on the air. By and large, it's at 8 a.m. live, Monday through Friday, but you also, through that link, can watch the shows anytime you want to as it serves you. And we do have some special announcements coming up that we have first and foremost for our constituency, and that is, Dom, you are, what, a couple of days maybe away from announcing our next big trip? I am, yes. I'm just a few days away from announcing our, our, our latest listeners trip. The news will be hitting the public forum. Probably, We'll probably announce it on Monday with all the details and stuff, but I will mm-hmm. say this. Uh, if you on our mailing list, so if you go to fairwaysoflife.com, you can add your name to our mailing list. Totally free. We don't ask for a ton of information. Just hit e- type your email in, hit OK, and then we'll get your email. Uh, an email will be going out with the details before the announcement is made public on the show by Matt. So probably in the next 24 to 48 hours, an email will go out that will allow you access to get a spot on this trip before we announce it publicly. But you're only going to get that if you provide us with your email address. And then we'll, again, just go the to fairwayslife.com. Yeah, otherwise, you can hear me talk about yeah. it on Monday if it does. It, lots Correct. of times these trips sell out that quickly and there's no space. But the... The theme here, the philosophy here, just to kind of give a, a, a glimpse, uh, is, you know, we've all been pent up for so long, it's, it, it'd be nice to be able to kind of chill out and hang out together. And so the timing on this is hopefully just on the other side of when pretty much everybody that wants to get a vaccine will have had one. But still, when the weather is nice and when we have a chance to just enjoy each other's company, which we really haven't had a chance to do now for it's going to be going on a year, a year and a half. Yeah, it's, I mean, this is. I'm desperate to leave, to leave quarantine. I don't know about you. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing two also, toddlers, and it's spectacular. I was going to say, yeah, that's exactly. Come you hang took the words out with out me. <laughs> took the words right out of my mouth. A biofit360.com. You heard our last commercial block. That was at the end of it. Thank you for you guys with the reaction that you're having to our one of our newest sponsors. We're really excited to be associated with them. We believe in the virtues of the, of the CBD oil. Uh, I have a, a friend that had a very, very severe injury on his ankle. I'll tell you honestly what happened. He had a propeller go right through it uh, in a plane crash. And he uses CBD balm in order to ease his pain and help with the continued healing in that area because obviously there's a lot of scarring as well. And it's amazing uh, the virtues that lie therein. You don't have to deal with pain by yourself. Biofit360.com. Check it out today and all the varieties of that which they have available. So also at the Waste Management Phoenix Open, John Rahm had a chance to address the media. And this is our opportunity to find out what John Rahm is thinking about as he's getting ready for competition to start today. Well, first of all, it's a home event. Get to sleep in my own bed. So it's nice, you know, traveling is, uh, is not too much, especially coming from San Diego. Uh, a lot of good memories. Obviously, my first cut made on P- PGA Tour was here. I had a great finish as an amateur. And the whole Sun Devil vibe and, and just the familiarity with everything, right? It's, uh, I love the event. Love the fans. I'm glad we can have at least, you know, 5,000 a day. Uh, makes a big difference out there. And, and even today, right, it's just, it's just good to see all the smiling faces of the kids, the fans. It, it was really fun out there. So uh, looking forward to it. Uh, hopefully, you know, I've been able to have a lot of good rounds out here. Hopefully I can put a, a good weekend together and, uh, and get the first win. You know, game's good. Uh, one of those sevenths was with different clubs. So 
you know, put a little asterisk there. And, and there's a big difference between the one in Kapalua and the Torrey Pines, right? Uh, I had a legit chance of winning the Torrey Pines. Um, started good on Sunday and just the putter got cold. Didn't have, you know, didn't make much going on uh, on the back nine. But game is there, you know. I feel like I'm getting used to the club, getting used to the ball. Uh, still testing a lot of things to make sure it's set perfectly, you know, when you change clubs. Uh, manufacturers like that, you got to get used to the tendencies of each one and to, to find the perfect one. So, uh, still trying to get there, but, but really happy with where I'm at. You know, like you said, I mean, even new clubs, I'm still performing well, getting those top tens and putting myself in contention, right? So, that's the goal again this week. Uh, hopefully, this is the one where things start to click together and, uh, and I'm, you know, standing as a champion on Sunday. With your wife being pregnant, how much will that impact your playing schedule in the next few months? Well, I'm going to keep the schedule pretty much as I've had until the Masters. Um, obviously, we know, I think it's second week of March. It's going to be week 36. And as my mom's told me, because she's a midwife many times, she's starting that week, you can come any day. So that's what I'll be doing. Um, you know, I've talked to Adam before, and we've talked about it with her. No matter where I am and what I'm doing, if, you know, phone rings, I'm flying back, and I'm going back home to to be present for the birth of my son. So uh, before anybody asks, yes, if I'm at Augusta and I'm playing and I'm playing well and she starts, you know, she starts giving, you know, starts, I'm flying back. So uh, I'll never miss the birth of my first born in a million years or any born for that matter. So uh, yeah, that, 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 you know, the last month I'm going to be really focused on what's going on. And I don't know how we're going to do it at Augusta because can't have our phones in. Uh, I might need to ask for an exception in that sense, but but yeah, that's what my my you know March April is gonna be like. I'm just happy that there's fans. Yeah, I mean, listen. One of the reasons why you play here is the atmosphere. That's one of the reasons why I play here. I love it. I wish every single week was like that. It's the closest thing we're gonna feel to be playing basically in a football stadium, right? When Saturday you have over 100,000 people here just having fun. And those last three holes are unique. And as golfers, you don't get that that often. And, and it's really fun. So I'm not, I'm not saying it's better or worse. To me, it just you know makes you wish we're going to have them as soon as possible. But like I said, right now, after having nobody, 5,000 sound like 100,000. It's, uh, it's, it, we should just be thankful that we're having fans. And it's you know a little step in, in the right direction or to the future of maybe you know hopefully putting this whole COVID thing behind us. And and moving to a better tomorrow that's uh that's my hope and hopefully next year we have you know the fans said basically a full capacity john rom will be playing later on today in terms of what's going on later on today in the air times uh we'll have the coverage we being uh, golf channel the coverage will start at 3 p.m eastern time uh, this afternoon 3 p.m eastern time for the television coverage uh, featured groups for PGA Tour Live, which will be coming on the air in just about 20 minutes from now. Siwoo Kim, Brooks Kepka, Ricky Fowler in one, Daniel Berger, Rory McIlroy, and Xander Shoffley in another, uh, English Rom and Justin Thomas in the third group, and then Webb, uh, defending champion Webb Simpson, that is Gary Woodland and Hideki Matsuyama in the last. But again, the television coverage will kick off at 3 p.m. Eastern time today, PGA Tour Radio will kick off at 1 p.m. Eastern Time today. PGA Tour Live will start at 9.15 a.m. Eastern Time today. You can see all the times there. And then 
for the weekend because that start time of 3 p.m. on Golf Channel's work today and tomorrow will be split between uh, Golf Channel and NBC. And the hope is, the anticipation is, is that they'll get everything wrapped up on Sunday. And it looks like the weather will agree before the big game and everything should be rolling. On the European Tour, uh, David Horsey leads at nine under par. You can catch coverage of the European Tour once again in the wee hours of the morning Tonight, uh, at the European tour coverage will be starting at 3 a.m. Eastern time on Golf Channel, and then on Saturday and Sunday at 4.30 a.m. each of those two days. Horsey has a one-shot lead over Stephen Gallagher. He has a three-shot lead over third place alone, Bernd Wiesberger, and then fourth place is multiple players on the mark of five under par. It includes Bryson DeChambeau on that mark. Remember, DJ is in this field. It is a great field. Uh, I'm, I don't know what the re-air schedule is today because of the PGA Tour schedule on Golf Channel, but I'm thinking that you're probably going to get a chance to see more of the live coverage. I know the live coverage window goes till 9.30 this morning, but I'm thinking you're going to be able to see that live coverage on a, on a re-air a little bit later on today. So we hope. Uh, getting a lot of, uh, as I mentioned, a lot of information coming back, a lot of comments from people this morning. One that was... Uh, Fun came in from Andy, who writes, this is on Twitter, at Matt Adams, F-O-L. He says, after listening to Matt Adams for years in the morning commute, I finally got to stream song with a slight frost delay. And he has a, a photo that's similar to the video that I showed you this morning. Streamsongresort.com if you want to check out everything that they are doing. Tourage.com is where you can check out their incredible product line. Uh, we're going to be talking with David Glott in just a few days about what Tourage is working on and what new products they have coming out. Uh, but rest assured, the products that they have are all within reach of everyone. You don't have to remortgage a house in order to get custom fit, in order to get the latest technology. And even there, compare it to everybody else. Don't take my word for it or their word for it, frankly. Don't take a leap of faith. Compare. And you're, you'll be surprised at how many times that these clubs are so well built and packed with so much technology that the best dynamic performance you get will be in the Tour Edge product, and they come with a lifetime warranty, which I think is a great way to back it. You can find that product in every other big name, Callaway and Titleist and TaylorMade and Ping. You can find it all at the PGA Tour Superstore. Uh, we are so proud to represent the number one golf retailer in America, and it's with good reason. More than 40 stores that have everything that you possibly can be looking for. But you don't have to go in. You can do PGATourSuperstore.com. You can pick it up curbside, or you can go ahead and shop right in the store itself. So there was a lot to go through today. I appreciate the time that, that you gave us as ever. I thought the comments from John Rahman and Rory McIlroy in, in whole and in parts was absolutely fascinating. Looking forward to being with you again tomorrow and going even deeper into everything that took place in the round one of the Saudi International and the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Golf in the Desert featured this week on two different sides of the globe. I hope your world is a good one today, a safe one, and until we are together again, goodbye for now. If I told you legends like Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross have designed and inspired more than 10 breathtaking courses and they're all in one place, would you believe me? 
where is this special place? How far do I have to travel for this golfing nirvana? The answer could both surprise and delight you. It's right around the corner in the heartland of the country. It's Boyne Golf in northern Michigan. It's a destination so special, so unique, that you'll think you're playing golf on a work of art along the cliffs of the Monterey Peninsula or the raw, sweeping landscapes of Scotland. From elite instruction with the Boyne Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boyne Golf truly offers an unrivaled golf vacation experience. Log on to BoyneGolf.com and see why they're at the heart of America's summer golf capital. It's likely that the world's greatest links golf courses will be the reason you will want to plan a trip to Ireland. And with over 400 courses to choose from, you're sure to find whatever you seek. But Ireland is about even more than great golf. In this ancient land, the past works hand in hand with the present, from cultural sites to castle ruins. Stay in a country B&B or a luxury hotel and spa. Enjoy inspiring local culinary choices pint and music at a cosy pub but most of all enjoy the warmth and hospitality of the Irish people who will make you feel that you haven't travelled from home but have returned to it. Visit Ireland.com to get started. Golf plans changed? We're here for you. Drive in. Fly in. French Lick Resort is the perfect spot for your next golf getaway. Our Donald Ross and Pete Dye courses have hosted majors since 1924. Our historic hotels are top flight as well. And know that keeping you safe in this era of COVID is also important to us. Go to FrenchLick.com. Play legendary golf this year. Must be 21 to enter casino. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. What's your bucket list destination? Where have you always wanted to go? What's the number one thing that holds people back from doing that? It's fear of logistics. I don't know where to stay. I don't know how to get tea times. I don't know where to go. I don't know who should take me there. Well, I'll tell you who knows the answer to all those questions. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. That's why the Fairways of Life show has aligned ourselves with these experts. And is there some place you want to go, like the Open or a President's Cup or a Ryder Cup? They can take care of that as well. What is your golf bucket list? Where do you want to go? Do it with TheGolfTravelGroup.com. It screams. It tracks. It's soft. It reacts. It is the all-new Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try the new Tour B. The Tour Ball. Reinvented. Let's face it, there's no better feeling than getting new golf gear, and where you get your golf gear matters. PJ Tour Superstore is America's number one golf retailer. Whatever you're looking for, they have it. And you can get custom fit. You can shop online or safely in their stores. At the PJ Tour Superstore, you'll always find golf's biggest brands and all the latest equipment right at your fingertips. If you need it or want it, they've got it. Log on to PGATourSuperstore.com to upgrade your game today. 